You just gotta keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. Welcome to the Rock Your Life Podcast. Discover the tools you need to fulfill the highest, truest expression of yourself. From family and wellness to business and goals, it's time to dream out loud. It's time to rock it. This stuff will rock your world. Rock! And now your host, Chasta. Hey there, welcome to the Rock Your Life Podcast. I am Chasta, your host. I'm so excited you are spending a little time with me today. If you listened to the last episode of this podcast, you know that I opened the door to the conversation of racism. But I knew at that time that that was just the start. I knew we would go further because quite honestly, we need to go further. And I'm super proud to say that today on the podcast, I am interviewing a dear friend of mine, Marcus Osborne. Now, Marcus Osborne happens to be a black man. I did not reach out to him initially. He, on Facebook, said that he was willing to have a tough conversation to move the needle with anybody who wanted to reach out. And I was very thrilled to see that because I adore Marcus. You will adore Marcus. He has been in Bay Area Radio for a long time. I'm sure you've heard him on Alice. He was a stand-up comedian. He is the operations manager at The Punchline. So with Marcus, you can expect some real talk. You can expect some laughs and you can expect a whole lot of heart that he's going to bring to the table. I'm excited for you guys to hear this conversation because I think it's another step in the right direction to joining hands and unifying our souls on what's next to make things right after the death of George Floyd and so many others. So we're going to get to Marcus in just a few minutes. But first, I have to introduce you guys to somebody very special. I'm super excited. My co-host of the day, Sydney Crims, is on the Rock Your Life podcast today. Hi, everyone. Nice to finally be on here. Yay! I know. I'm so <laughs> excited because we finally get to introduce you to our listeners. So Sydney Crims, as I posted actually on social media over the weekend, because it was her birthday. So let's start there. Happy birthday. Thank you. Um, but also I said on social media that you are a lot of things in my life and I feel like we should explain this so people yeah. know our relationship. They know who you are and, uh, what you do as a part of this podcast. So Sid is a 19 year old and I only point that out because <laughs> she could be my daughter. She's not, <laughs> she could be, but she is a lot like my daughter. I have adopted her. Sid has been in our lives for forever. Her dad and my husband were, friends in high school yeah. or maybe even before that like yeah. middle school I don't even know yeah. when their relationship back when they had mullets yeah that's fair pretty to say, much right? <laughs> <laughs> so Sid has been in my life for forever but specifically she started working with our family about three years ago yep yeah um taking care of Cody at first mm -hmm. um when you were in high school and then started doing stuff for me working as an assistant um and then really it's turned into she runs our whole life <laughs> that's basically what it is so uh she is the executive producer of the rocket life podcast and so she's going to be on here from time to time doing whatever we want to talk about which is the beauty of having your own podcast and I wanted to get her on today because Sid has been crucial in helping me put together the PDF that we sent out um, on my website as a part of the last podcast that we did about racism. And that, if you have not seen it, that PDF basically is a resource list. It's places that you can donate. It's um, petitions that you can sign. Yeah. It's um, government officials you can call. Mm -hmm. uh, what else? Oh, and of course, 
pushing people to vote yep. most importantly yep. very important <laughs> yeah so i wanted to bring sit on here specifically because there is almost a 20 year gap between <laughs> us so you're gonna have a different perspective on things right now mm-hmm. as i would um but i will say your generation is giving me hope mm-hmm. because I Same. feel, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it is. Totally. We've talked about this privately. Yeah. Um, you know, these types of protests happened in the sixties. Now I wasn't alive at that time. I saw the riots, uh, during Rodney King's, um, situation in the nineties. So that mm-hmm. was like my first, you know, real look at this, but this for you is your first yeah. exposure to something of this caliber. Yeah. How does this feel for all of you? I think it's really crazy. And like, I feel like my generation has really grown up. Like we're the ones who have been on social media for the majority. And so, you know, whenever black people are killed by police officers, we've seen that really blow up on social media. And so I think it's crazy that it's taken this long for this to happen. But it's also that I'm talking about the 60s and we're still here. Yeah. Yeah. But it's I'm also not surprised. But just seeing how many people have came out and really just been supportive and you know, like a lot of my friends just pushing for change. It's, yeah. it is really hopeful and good to see. Yeah. I'm sad that it had to come this way, yeah. but I think we're going to see a really big change very soon. Yeah. Especially with the upcoming election and just voting. And I think people are starting to get really passionate about that. Yeah. And so I think it's going to be cool to see. And I hope that my generation really turns out for that. That's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing. You know, it's one thing to say like, Oh, we can make change. And, and it's one thing, you know, when you're talking about social media, um, Social media is good and bad. We all know that. There's positives and negatives of it. And certainly a positive um, is that we can share these things, you know, and we can unify and organize for Mm -hmm. things like peaceful protest and marches like what we did this weekend in Pacifica here in our hometown. You know, those things get organized on social media. So there's good. There's um, a good part of it that is horrific, mm-hmm. which is we're seeing videos like what happened with George Floyd. Yep. Um, it's good that we see that when mm-hmm. it happens because then we know it's happening. Yep. Not that we want to see that, obviously. But um, I saw a protest sign over the weekend and it said the revolution will be live. Mm-hmm. And and I yeah. was like, yes, that's exactly right. Like on social media, you know, we can go live at any time. If you mm-hmm. see something horrific, like people can't argue with a video like that. Yeah. You watch it from beginning to end. There's no argument to be made. It was yeah. wrong, period, end of story. Completely. And that's the good. Now, the negative is everyone has an opinion and yeah. people are very... Um, passionate mm-hmm. as they should be mm-hmm. um from all angles yep. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how good that is um but also things can get lost in translation mm-hmm. when you're just reading a paragraph that someone yeah. typed out and you're not having this style of a conversation yeah so there's goods and bads um but i think your generation has really made this a very significantly different revolution yeah and i think that's what it is now so mm-hmm. thank you to you <laughs> and your your generation for doing what you're doing and keep it up and and you inspire me all mm-hmm. the time i tell you that all the time but we've been talking about you had some notes here of thought things yep. that you thought of over the weekend that i think are super important that maybe people haven't been talking about as much that mm-hmm. you and i could bring some attention to. yeah so i think even just right now when you brought up you know the reading the paragraph yeah i think so many people just aren't like really looking into what they're reading. And that's with social media, as it's good and bad, one of the bad parts is that you just read a headline and sometimes you just believe it. And you share it. Yeah. 
And that's that's really crazy to me. And I think it, I was talking to my mom a lot about this. I think it's funny, like going through all of elementary school, middle school, high school, even now in college, mm-hmm. whenever I write an essay, I never just have to submit a work cited list. Mm-hmm. I always have to go through each source and basically write a paragraph of its own about why that source is credible, wow. why that source, why I can trust the person who write, wrote it, what sources they used. And I you think you can get information yeah, anywhere now. Yeah. And so I think it's crazy that it's like people don't do that when sharing these big stories that could really shift opinions or completely completely, you know skew people one way so I think it's really important to you know take a minute and I think that's hard in social media because it's like we're so used to just scrolling and you see one thing after another it's like pause read it understand and just decide if you want to share it like what is what good or bad is that going to bring from sharing it, yeah you know because it's just so easy to hit retweet yeah right and completely it's just, yeah it's so or it's, to share it to someone or to post so, it to your story yeah, send anything to, yeah I mean, you and i send tons of stuff back and forth yeah. on instagram or whatever and it literally takes like two clicks it's you know share and send and boom yeah. it's gone and if i'm sending it to you i know your values mm-hmm. right and i know who you are and i know how you'll interpret whatever i've sent but if i'm sending that out to the world a or b sending it to somebody who i don't know as well but I think they might appreciate it or whatever um, and they interpret it in a different light or they don't take the time to watch it or read it or whatever mm-hmm. it's a dangerous yeah. slippery slope yeah I've been calling this personal journalism mm-hmm. right yeah I totally think we all can be yeah the media gets so hard hit yeah and look I'm a member of the media so I take it personally yeah I try not to you know that <laughs> yeah. I've said that. I, I do because I'm like we're not all bad mm-hmm. like you know, I, I went to school for this and, and I have a degree and I have taken such personal responsibility in my life that when I'm on the air, well, I should say with Lamont Tonelli, I'm on the air to be silly. But when I'm on the air to get <laughs> yeah. facts and to talk about something real, I take that incredibly seriously. Mm-hmm. And you know that well because yep. you see the behind the scenes of what I do here. Yeah. Um, not all media does, though. I mean, of course, there's, you know, there are bad apples i hate to use that because it's kind of getting a bad um angle in this argument but there's bad apples in the media world Mm -hmm. but right now we're all sort of our own journalist because we have such access to all of this information on the internet that we have to take the time and go okay is this from the washington post or is this from some blogger Mm -hmm. in you know the backwoods of some tiny town in idaho who Mm -hmm. has no credibility whatsoever yeah you have to separate those two totally not that there's anything wrong with the backwoods of idaho (laughs) (laughs) i'm from the backwoods of oklahoma so i can say that yeah so anyways i think that's a very very valid point which yeah and i think like with what you're saying just about values and stuff it's like we've been talking about this a lot just really acknowledging the lens and bias you bring to every situation even when you're trying to take that guard down it it you can't Certain things are ingrained into your mind where you have the power to, you know, before you speak, Mm -hmm. acknowledge those biases. But I think this is kind of really bringing that out, too, where people are just, you know, saying the first thing that they think. And I don't think it should be like that. I think that and especially as a white person, Mm -hmm. I definitely can't do that. Like, it's just it's not right to do that. I need to really acknowledge like where I'm coming from, the privilege and power that I've held my whole life and how I bring that to every situation yep. and the sources I'm reading and sharing and the people I'm supporting, where my money's going, everything like that. Amen. It's it, And it's something that we can't change. And it's not, that's not a white privilege thing. Yeah. It's an everybody thing. Everyone yeah. has somebody, I wish, I'm seeing so much information like mm-hmm. that I'm having a hard time keeping like 
who said what? But yeah. I heard a great conversation over the weekend, and it was about what you just said, about the lens. Literally, you have a lens attached to your face that you cannot remove, mm-hmm. and it's it's the way you see the world. You don't see the world as the world is. You see the world as you see it, yep. and that means that where you came from, like I came from a tiny town in Oklahoma, so mm-hmm. I saw things that you did it, it different than what you did living here in Pacifica, California, yep. right? We grew up in different ways. Uh, were you raised religious? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Were you raised with parents that were from the Republican Party or the Democratic Party? Mm-hmm. That would make a difference. You know, all yeah. these things. Did you have siblings? Did you not? Were you an only child? Did you go to college? Did you not? Every single, I mean, even in this moment, we're yeah. having, our, we're bringing our biases to the table, yep. whether we mean to or yeah, not. Exactly. And and that's okay mm-hmm. as long as you acknowledge it. Yeah. You know, and it's just like acknowledging white privilege. Like, just because I have white privilege, that's not a bad thing mm-hmm. to say that. I. Everybody's like, why do I have to feel guilty about being white and as I mentioned in the last podcast when I first started talking about racism this isn't about guilting Mm -hmm. people you don't need to feel guilty Mm -hmm. you just need to recognize it yep that I've never had to worry about going out um and in the way that I look like nobody's ever crossed the street because they saw me walking Mm -hmm. up to them like they might a young black man yep you know and that's just that's just the way the world is it sucks but me recognizing that that is my privilege, that I don't have to think about that, and my white son, I don't have to have terrible, horrible conversations mm-hmm. with him, that's a privilege yeah. that other people don't share. Mm-hmm. So when we recognize that, then we can start to move forward. Totally. I think that's a super valid point. That's yeah. Good. Okay. What else is on that list? Going back to voting. Yeah. It's so easy to register to vote. And also, I don't know if we have any young listeners, but if you're 16 or 17 years old, you can pre-register to vote. Can't Online, really? super easy. That. Yeah. You can and then when you turn 18, you're registered to vote. So it's super easy. I was in college when we were voting in the primaries and right. I just had the ballot sent to my home address, took it up to school with me and mailed it from there. So it's so easy. Yeah. Like... I think it's just really about getting yourself educated. And like you were talking about, you know, getting educated on your local Mm -hmm. government too. I think sometimes people kind of write that off and especially young people because we kind of only, because of social media, only hear the big names. Of course. But I think it's really important to really dive into that, you know, and we have so much, like we just have Google at our fingertips, like just search a name up. Right. And look at some sources, look at some people, you know, look at their social media, see what's up. So I think it's really important for people to register to vote and just understand like what a privilege that is to be able to vote and then also just how cool it is that you get to have a say in how your government's running yeah and just keep in mind as women we both should say there was a time that we didn't get to vote yeah so it is you know it is a right now but it's also a privilege and you should absolutely take advantage of it and I love what you just said about um, looking at social media of your local Mm -hmm. people because that is that's one thing that I find is hard is like it's very easy to get information on Trump and you know whoever and Biden and whoever is running whoever you fell in love with in the primaries and all that stuff because that's all over the news it's all over media it's super accessible yeah your city council member might be a little harder to find yeah but like you said it's not impossible because like anybody is findable on Google yeah these days on social media as well It just takes, again, going back to personal journalism, right? It takes a little extra research, Mm -hmm. a little extra effort. Mm -hmm. Because maybe there have been, or hell, Google your local town's police department. How many complaints, since we're talking about in real time, we're talking about George Floyd and what happened there in Minnesota, St. Paul. See if there's been complaints. See Mm -hmm. if there have been these kind of issues. Find out what the issues are in your town and how they can be fixed. Because 
city council members, mayors, those people, those changes can be made on the front lines in your town. Like Trump is not in charge of the Pacifica Police Department. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. you can say all you want yeah. about whether you like or dislike the president, but at the end of the day, he's not going to change anything like that. Mm -hmm. He is the big ticket stuff, as we know. So I know it's not super exciting to be like, who's going to be yeah. in the city council? <laughs> you know, nobody gets in a huge fight about that typically. Yeah. Uh, but it is incredibly important so i think yeah not just voting but there needs to be some clever and there might be some clever little hashtag like vote local yeah you for know, sure <laughs> so people yeah. could get more excited about mm -hmm. this uh, but i love that you brought that up because register i didn't even know you could yeah. register i'm pretty sure i know like that's great. at least 17 but i'm pretty sure it's 16 too that's huge yeah. that was not the thing back in yeah. the day when and i was a kid you can do it online like it takes maybe five ten minutes yeah if that yeah so just so easy so no excuses yeah just get registered <laughs> and you're ready to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anything else from your generation that you feel like is helpful right now, like that your friends are talking about or mm -hmm. that are they having these conversations? conversations. I think it's cool to just have these conversations with people. Yeah. And I think that's really important. And yeah, I feel like um, maybe our generation isn't as nervous to have these conversations with each other, you know, yes. because it's like. I think I've seen a lot of really funny memes where it's like, you know, people like, like my generation, Gen Z, like can't order like at McDonald's, but then they'll like cuss out like the National Guard. So it's like, I get it, but it's like, I keep seeing stuff like that. And where it's like, we're kind of, I think it's cool. I know that some people still don't want to speak on it or aren't sharing it, yeah. but for the people that are, I think it's really cool that they're kind of just a lot of people are showing up that I kind of didn't expect to show up. Yeah. So I think that's really important too. And they're having those hard conversations and educating themselves and just trying to be better humans. Yeah. It, that's why yeah. it gives me a lot of hope. You know, it's funny. I, I think that's true about your generation that the communication can be a little tricky because you guys are the first generation that has always had the kind of technology mm -hmm. that we have now. You've always had cell phones around. You've always not always had social media, but, for the most part, you've had social media. You've had a lot of different ways to connect than, than like yeah. I did when I was young. And I think that's good and bad, like we said. Mm -hmm. um, communication skills, not with you, because Sid has always <laughs> been an adult since she was born, <laughs> just an FYI. Um, but a lot of kids have a hard time communicating because mm -hmm. they are used to communicating on a phone. Mm -hmm. So that's not their fault. That's just the way it is. But it has been amazing to see that like they have, they have rallied around this. But I will say, I think maybe it's because you have seen children change in your lifetime mm -hmm. for the positive with gay rights mm -hmm. uh, with women's rights we've been down this road mm -hmm. when I was protesting this weekend in Pacifica I stood at the Pacifica Community Center and I said to myself wow I've been here for gay rights mm -hmm. I've been here for women's rights and I've been here for black rights now yeah none of those rights I think we should have to protest mm -hmm. But I'm I'm super proud of the work that you have done I mean as soon as I brought this up to you um, a week ago and you and I always have really great conversations, mm -hmm. but you were so fat. Like you literally just got on your computer <laughs> and we were like, I got this yeah. and just started putting all this research together to, to create that mm -hmm. PDF. And thank you for doing Oh yeah, that. for sure. And our resources are just the beginning. Like, oh, yeah. like literally just hop on Instagram, go through the explore page. You'll find so many resources, so many businesses to support. Yes. And one other point that I want to make, I've yeah. been seeing, you know, everyone's right now really educating themselves and there's been so many books shared that I can't wait to read. And, you yeah. know, I want to say like, 
don't support Amazon when you're buying those books. Don't go to big bookstores, you know, yes. support local black owned bookstores. Even, you know, even if the shipping is two days longer or something, cause you're not going to get your overnight prime, like exactly. support, support small businesses and support black owned businesses. I love that. So I've seen that going a lot um, yeah. around a lot. Unfortunately, we live in a small town that doesn't have a lot of black owned businesses, yeah. which sucks. We and I hope that changes. Too. I hope that changes yeah. too. But I think that's a valid point. If you're buying a book about black rights or written by a black author, if you could find that, no matter where it's at from a black owned small business, how mm -hmm. awesome is that? Yeah. Like that's great. Great uh, books going around, great children's books. Yeah. I need to get some of those for Cody mm -hmm. as well. But like I said, like Sid put that uh, three page PDF together in probably an hour or less. And that is literally scratching the surface. Mm -hmm. there are so that was many one places. article yeah. and like a couple other sources. So <laughs> exactly. that was like, yeah. Yeah. There's like a drop of water it, in like the uh, ocean. Yeah. Like you can <laughs> yeah. find a lot more. <laughs> yeah. There's so many ways you can help. So thank you, Sid, for being on here today. Thank you for having I'm me. I'm so, so proud of the work that you've done. I'm so proud of always of the work that we do together. Um, mm -hmm. You're going to hear Sid on this podcast a lot. Um, I don't know what we'll talk about next time she's on. And uh, you may even hear her do her own podcast on here Maybe. one time if she decides. <laughs> um, so we're going to actually go into an interview here. Uh, we are going to talk to Marcus Osborne. Now, Marcus is a friend of mine, oh gosh, at least a decade, maybe like 12 years. Um, he has worked in the entertainment industry here in the Bay Area uh, for a long time. He, you've heard him on the radio. Uh, he's been on Alice for years. He also uh, is a booker for a local comedy room. Um, so I just wanted to get in to talk to Marcus because he, number one, offered it up. He said on Facebook, if you want me to talk, if you need me, I'm here. And I love that. So we're going to get into it with Marcus Osborne. Let's do it. How are you? I'm great. It's so good to hear your voice. I mean, I used to get to see you like, you know, once every couple of weeks and get a big hug when you'd bring the comedians in. And now nothing. I know. It's wild. It, <laughs> it wild. is. I mean, on a thousand different levels, it is wild. Uh, I just wanted to let you know, by the way, I already did like your super cool. You're a badass intro on the podcast. Oh. So we can just <laughs> we can just go into it whenever you're you're feeling like you're ready. I'm, I'm definitely ready. Well, you know, I'm super comf comfortable talking with you, Marcus, because you and I have been friends for, I don't know, like 12 years or something. It's been a long time. Um, yeah. And you and I have talked about a lot of different things. I mean, we've worked mm -hmm. together in capacities and in... Yeah. I didn't, I wasn't the white girl like being like, hey, who can be my black friend to come talk? Like, number one, <laughs> number one, you have been my friend forever. Number two, yeah. you offered uh, yourself up to have an important conversation. And I was like, mm. yes, please, can we do this? Absolutely. And I know you know, I know where you come from, I know your right. background. You're like me. So I'm originally from the South, and I think you're from the Midwest, right? Right. Yeah. Southern Oklahoma. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. so I, I know you get it. Yeah. I, I do. And it's so important, like to not have these conversations on social media, because look, I know everybody has their opinions, and they want to express it. And they're super passionate. And, and I get that. But social media um, can be good for some things. And, and it can be bad for some things. And what gets lost yeah. in translation is reading somebody's opinions. That's why I thought, you know what, there's no better way to have a conversation than you and I just getting on the phone old school style. <laughs> and we'd be having this conversation in, you know, face to face if we could. But COVID stops that. Um, but I, I just really wanted to get you on. And let's just start like from the beginning. Number one, most importantly, like how are you doing in general? How are you feeling in all of this right now? I, I, I feel um, oddly exhilarated, to be Good. honest with you. Good. 
and and I've actually said this a few times over the last couple of weeks when folks have asked me that question, and it really is, it's it's sad and it's disheartening, but the exhilarating part is that uh, it feels like for at least the first time in my own lifetime that folks are actually, for whatever reason, actually interested in addressing this stuff, and it, weirdly enough, suddenly starting to take this thing seriously. Oh, it's not just in our mind. Yeah, I think I think it's because we saw it on video, and it cannot it cannot be ignored and and it should have never been ignored i mean let's just make yeah. that clear um but america can't turn away from it i mean i saw a, a huge actually i saw a few of them huge poster over the weekend that said you know the revolution will be live uh meaning live on social media and i think that's yeah. the power of social media right now is the video um and that we have control um over what we're posting and if you see something you go live or you record it or whatever and then america sees it and i think that that may be a shift for for people and i know there are people out there because marcus i've seen it on next door on the app mm -hmm. i have seen it yep. on social media i've never seen racism so I, okay you've never seen it so it, it doesn't exist that's the weird like sort of twisted way people think well since what it really boils down to is since it doesn't, not that they haven't seen it, it's just it doesn't have happened to me. It right. hasn't affected me in my life, so exactly. it can't be a big deal. Right. Because most people feel like racism is, oh, I call this person a name or something overt like that. But that's that's the that's the most basic aspect of it. It's, that's not even the most uh, damaging aspect of racism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's the systemic part that is really, really hurtful. And, you know, I've been trying to figure out what happened this time because I don't know how to put this. George Floyd's murder, in the grand scheme of things, it's not the first time. It's not the first time it's been on video. We right. saw Eric, it happened to Eric Garner. So in almost the exact same way. But I really do think that if you if you are a God-fearing person, a religious person, it's, a, it's weird to say God works in mysterious ways. But it's interesting that we have this pandemic happen and it forces everybody to be home, and then suddenly you have this video pop up, mm, mm -hmm. and everybody's forced to watch it and pay attention. God, that's a super valid point, Marcus. I had not thought about it that way, that everyone's attention yeah. was already on social media because we have mm -hmm. extra time on our hands, so people are paying more attention. Wow, that's so yeah. valid. I mean, you had uh, you had Omar Aubrey who's gunned down and murdered, not by the cops, but by these racist guys who decided, well, you know, this black dude's jogging, and he uh, decided to stop into this home that's being built, didn't steal anything, didn't take anything. We're going to go uh, hunt him down in our pickup truck yeah. and shoot him. Yeah. There was one case in North Carolina. This is a couple of years ago, and this is a video of it. Uh, one guy was being uh, apprehended for, I think he was, like, being arrested for a, a pass-through child support or something like that. Yeah. And he was running from the cops, and the cops shoot him in the back, and then they run over to him, and they drop the gun right next to him. Oh, I mean, is this is on video. This is show. They showed this happening and nobody was outraged by it. See, now that's where I'm wrong. So I'm going to go ahead in this real moment in real time and correct myself. I had not seen that video. So, I mean, we've had these moments on video before, but like you're yeah. saying, they just didn't get the attention that George Floyd's is right now. Yeah. Because I've never yeah. seen that video. That's disgusting. Yeah. It's, it's so trippy, man. Yeah. But I do think that because of this pandemic, because people are forced to be at home and you, you're almost a captive audience, you watch this thing and you literally watch a man's life being snuffed out mm -hmm. as he's crying for his mom. Mm -hmm. How could that not move you? Yeah, I know. I know. And and just to get to two things that I'm 
I'm baffled by trying to explain. Now, here's the double side of this coin, okay? So yeah. Black Lives Matter, number one. So a week ago, this I'm record, we're recording this, we should probably say, on the day of George Floyd's funeral, uh, June yeah. 9th. And yeah. a week ago, I did my very first podcast about racism, and I did it by myself, and I was very clear. I'm like, look, I'm a white girl sitting here by myself having a conversation. I'm for sure going to F up. I'm for sure going to say something that is taken wrong or I shouldn't say in that way or whatever, but I was willing to screw up in order to start the conversation because I do think it's that important. And I've been having these conversations for years. I mean, I'm yeah. friends with Kamal Bell, who has the most important show on TV, United Shades of Love America him. on CNN. And yeah. he and I have been talking about this in interviews for years. And, yeah. you know, I, I'm amazed that Black Lives Matter needs to be explained. It kind of baffles me. But I do I do want to give people a little bit of credit because I think, not all, I think some people who are like, everybody matters. They're like, that's their way of saying we're all equal. Like, I've heard mm -hmm. that take. But yeah. what people aren't understanding is that all lives can't matter until black lives matter. Like, that's Amen. the thing, period. Um, you know, and so it's it's hard for me to understand how we have to keep explaining it. I think by now, by June 9th, after we've been having these conversations so openly and vocally, surely people get it now. And if they don't get it by now, then I don't know that they will. Um, well, that's just willful ignorance at this point. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, I yeah. agree. And I, you know, I saw somebody say, if you choose not to deal with this now, that is the definition of privilege. Amen. Because as a white person, you can turn your back. You don't have to deal with this. You can turn off the TV. You can get off social media. You can walk anywhere you want, dressed in anything you want. You can run wherever you want. You can do whatever you want, and you don't have to worry about these things. So if if you don't want to deal with it, then that is your privilege playing out in real time. Black yeah, people don't I, have that privilege. And I actually don't have a problem, to be completely honest. And maybe it's because I just have a different attitude being from the South. Mm-hmm. It just, I mean, if you don't want to deal with it, if you don't think it's real, that's fine. Mm -hmm. I'm not one of those guys. Do your thing, but don't bitch and moan as the world changes around you. Mm -hmm. Amen to yeah. that. Yeah. It's so true. I've seen every take of this across the board on social media. And I know that, like, I've been talking to friends of mine of both both sides. And when I say both, I mean white and black. Yeah. And mm -hmm. people people don't know what to say. And like I said, you know, I'm, I'm for sure going to say something wrong, and I'm fine with that. Um, and if I get roasted for it, so be it. But yeah. I'm just going to start with some questions. I'm going to ask you um, and get your take, because speaking on behalf of people who don't know how to say things or what to say, let's just start yeah. with the most basic question, okay? Okay. Yeah. When I'm talking about you, would you prefer me to say a person of color, a black guy, or an African American guy? Uh, okay. So <laughs> I know that's a tough question, but I'm no, just no, like, no, we're, we're there. We're there. It's actually not. And it makes me laugh because when I was doing stand up in my early 20s, that was actually one of my original jokes. <laughs> nice. And the joke was, and this is absolutely 100% true, my birth certificate. On my birth certificate, it says race. It says Negro. And my mother's birth certificate says colored. My great-great-great-grandmother's birth certificate said 3 for a dollar. That was the joke. Oh, Marcus. <laughs> so, uh, but, <laughs> but I like this question because it comes up all the time. There's, listen, people are always going to be in their feelings about something. Mm -hmm. For me, that, I, I think that if you understand, you kind of know people's intent. You, you. I come from a place of positivity. I try to be optimistic about things. Yeah. I don't think when people use this, when people use the term person of color, black man, African American, I don't think they're coming from a place of maliciousness. Mm -hmm. For me, it doesn't matter. I'm black. That's it. Right. And if you say African American, if you say person of color, 
more nebulous because it's not as specific as black or African American, etc. I I say black because that's how I grew up. Mm-hmm. But that being said, none of it bothers me, and I don't really think there is any right or wrong way. I just it's just like people and their pronouns. Whatever somebody wants, right, is whatever is what they get. I don't think that should be. There's far more important things to be concerned about. Uh, yeah, I get that. I get that. Um, I Going back to Kamal Bell, um, in one of the interviews I did with him, I asked him just flat out, like, what can white people do to be a good ally to the black community? Like, what, what would you hope that we would do um, that we're maybe not doing or not doing enough or whatever? And then this is the question I've been getting on a daily basis. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, I've been inundated with my inbox, my DMs. Mm-hmm. What can I do? And I love it. I love it. And I'll be honest, initially it bugged me. Yeah. And it bugged me because my feeling was, now you care? Uh-huh. Yeah. I've seen that a lot. Now you care? It, it's not my job to try to educate you on these things. Yes. So that being said, you have to take a step back and remove yourself from the emotional part of this whole thing and it's got to be a strategic thing listen truth be told the civil rights movement could not have happened without the support of white allies Mm -hmm. that's just a fact Mm -hmm. so uh, it really troubles me and it bothers me when i hear black folks say we need to do this by ourselves we should they should we shouldn't be teaching no we should be doing everything we can to get these folks on our side that's the whole idea yeah so i would say the primary thing is to get educated Mm-hmm. And not not the fairy tale education we get in school. And this one is the one that requires actually going out and deliberately doing some research yes. on systemic racism, on racism in general, on redlining. This this is a nation that was that's built its wealth on the backs of minority work. Mm-hmm. Preach it's the folks who are Asian who are working at railroads, whether it's the folks who are indigenous. To the states who had the land taken away from them or whether it's folks whose ancestors were like mine who would ship here on boats mm-hmm. all this is the wealth of this nation is built on the backs of those people the problem is of course is they have not been allowed to share in that wealth and so once this nation was built and it became this behemoth and making all this money all those people who did all the dirty work were kicked to the sidelines so I think it's important for people to go and educate themselves on the real history and how this this country was put together through violence like every other nation. Mm-hmm. We act like it wasn't. We act like all these men were noble. It's so funny, Chaston, to see these people get so pissed and outraged about folks protesting, mm-hmm. Pro- not even the rioters. Literally, people lost their minds because Colin Kaepernick decided to take a knee during a, during a goddamn football game. Yeah. I know. For a 90-second song. That drove people insane. But nobody's unhappy about the Boston Tea Party. Yeah. Right? Right. <laughs> we, right. we praise that. Yeah. Yeah. This is the hypocrisy that we have to live with on a daily basis because people forget. I also do believe that the passage of time kind of whitewashes things uh, and sort of uh, glamorizes the past. Sure. Romanticizes so parts of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go back. If the most important thing any ally can do is go back, read up, watch documentaries about how this nation was actually built, and understand what was what was done to the folks who actually did the the manual labor to build this country, and how they were cut out of the profits. 
Yeah, that's what I have been focusing on, um, Marcus. And I'm glad to hear you say that because that's what I was like, okay, like pulling away all the stuff aside, like what can I do? Like, okay, great, I say my piece on social media. That's fantastic. But mm-hmm. I've learned a term this week called performative allyship. And basically yep. that's a fancy term to say, like people go on social media and they post one thing and then they go, yeah, job well done. And then they put yep. their phone down and they go back to life. But that's not enough. Like it's great that you said your piece and you were brave enough to speak up and I'll give you credit for that. But I ask that people dig in way, way further and not go into like history class like we did in high school or college to get a grade and pass and move on. But what you're saying is actually diving into living history. I'll tell you a story that made me sick last year. Mm. You and I share a love for New Orleans. And yeah, last year I went to New Orleans and I was, you know, cruising around on sites. What do I want to do this time? What do I want to go see? And I was going through, I wanted to take a history tour of plantations and I wanted to learn, right? That was one of the things I wanted to do. And for my son, too, you know, moving forward, we're going to go to New Orleans once a year. And I was like, what could we do to start educating him on these things? And oh, my God, I went to some of these websites. People in their travel reviews were offended that there was so much focus on slavery during plant. What are you talking about during (laughs) plantation tours? People were offended by real history. Oh, I'm sorry your delicate soul got offended, but this is real life that's what happened exactly it and you know I, here's a funny story because my wife my wife is white right so we when we got married we got married in new orleans so jealous yes and initially she wanted to get married at a plantation i'm like are you out of your <laughs> you're like what my ancestors <laughs> and, and, are like wtf what are you out of, yeah and and it wasn't malicious of you know, course she just didn't connect the dots. Right, right. I understand. But I was like, listen, dude, there's not a chance in hell we're going to get married. You know my mother would disown me yeah. if I invited <laughs> to a plantation? Seriously, though. Are you kidding me? I, and, and I also think that the educational part is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are two other, uh, uh, two other things that I think are vital to. The educational part, but then the personal aspect. You need to listen to stories. You need to listen to personal stories. Mm-hmm. Listen to people's personal stories so it can so it can be meaningful to you. This is not something that's just out there in either. These things happen to people. Yeah. Whether it's something as minor as, you know, a cab not picking you up mm-hmm. or something as major as some guys getting out of a pickup truck and, and sucking you around and calling you the N-word. Mm-hmm. Personal stories are important. Yeah. They need to be heard. I and I, I told my own daughters and one and my, my my oldest daughter is now a hardcore uh, activist up in the San Francisco, uh, Sacramento, Folsom area. I wanted to bring Folsom that up. She runs a great, Folsom yeah. Is it Folsom for Justice? Yeah, I wanted to bring that up because yep. that looks amazing. Yep. And um, and so one of the things I used to talk to Ashley about was, listen, here's some of the things that your mother and I used to go through. And I, this is just in the 90s. My ex and her mom, we had many instances where I would say, you need to go in to rent this apartment for us because if we both go in, we're not getting it. Oh, my God. Wow. We're not getting it. We literally, we literally had landlords tell her by herself that yeah, we, don't, we just don't want to have those kinds of people here. Holy. Or we, yeah, we've had it. We've had it happen. I can tell and you then, right now I've never had anything close to that. And that, my friend, is white privilege. I've never had that concern in my life. And here's the thing. By themselves, these little sort of Michael Geshes, they're not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But cumulatively... After day, after day, after day, after day of somebody doing something to you that you know is because you're like, like, like not getting a cab because you're, but I would have my ex-wife Dina 
we would be out in San Francisco. We both worked in San Francisco. We'd be waiting for cabs, and I would all, and they wouldn't stop. And I would always say, I'm going to step back, and you stand up there. Always a cab would stop for her. God, that's always. crazy. That's not stuff I make up. That's stuff that happens. That's just every day. <laughs> when I first got into radio in the uh, early 90s, I was uh, I would put my name, Marcus Jerome Osborne. Mm-hmm. And nobody would respond to me. Now, here's the thing. I don't, I don't know if it was because they kind of assumed that I was black because of my name. Mm-hmm. But I know that once I started changing my name to Mark, I got a lot more responses. Mm, that's pretty that. telling. That's pretty telling. <laughs> when I took the Jerome out and just went Mark Osborne, a lot of responses, a lot more responses. Just little shit like that on a regular basis. I shouldn't have to worry about whether or not I should change my name on my resume. Yeah, that's that's just awful. I had a friend, one of my closest friends. Um, she had a very Iranian last name, like it was yeah. it was very clear. And when she yeah. was in LA, she changed it um, because she had the same problem. And, yeah. and, and that was just, and it broke my heart at the time. I was like, God, I just can't imagine. Like it, it's just something I can't relate to. I heard a story the other day too. There's a motivational speaker. Her name is Brene Brown. Um, and she's very popular and she's a white woman, but she said like Brene Brown, I guess is a very traditional Southern black name. And it so, is. yeah. And so she went into, um, an interview, very similar to what you're talking about. She walked yeah. in and the woman said to her, Oh, I thought you, it's so nice to meet you. I thought you would have been, well, never mind, but it's good to meet you. <laughs> and like, and she, of course she knew exactly what she was going to say, right? I mean, it was like, what were you trying to do? Meet your black quota of people you got to interview? But like, what is that? It's so, it's just, it's really hard. It's, it's hard for me to wrap my head around. It. And I don't want to say like, I don't get it because I don't see color. Like, I mean, duh, we see color. We see differences. If I, if I look at you, I see that you're black. If I look at a blonde girl, I see she has blonde hair. Like, of course I see it, but it doesn't mean anything. There's no, there's not, there's nothing to it. Right. And that's what I think just from, you know, the liberal side is I think we've gone too far in mm-hmm. that area trying to sort of whitewash. We're all the same. Right. We're not all the same. And we don't want to be all the same. That's good. That's okay. Yes, yes. Uh, And, you know, I think that um, I've given this a lot of thought. I saw a study um, probably probably five or six years ago, and it was a study on interracial relationships, not romantic relationships, Mm -hmm. interracial relationships. And I can't say that I was shocked, but I was a little bit surprised to actually see uh, the numbers so stark. Okay. Really bad. Most people do not have friends in their inner circle of different races. Now, I don't mean like acquaintances or buddies. I mean like if you sit down and you list the top four or five friends in your life, most of us, and maybe it'll be different here because we're in the Bay Area and we're in this bubble. Right. But But most people, black, white, Asian, Latino, whatever, most people do not have very close friends of different races and ethnicities. That's crazy. I mean, that doesn't apply. Like, I can't, again, I can't relate to that, but that may be where we live. I mean, growing up, I will say, I mean, my best friend was Native American, but I grew up in a very whitewashed town in Southern Oklahoma. I mean, you Mm -hmm. know, so I can understand that from that angle, but that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Listen, I grew up in Little Rock, Arkansas, and I get it now because we didn't see white folks on our side and our side of town, and we didn't really go over to that side of town. Right, right, yeah. And nobody came into our part of town. Mm-hmm. The, only time we saw, the only time we ever saw white folks was when the cops came by. 
or when we went into downtown, went to North Little Rock, which was the white part, the rich part of the city. And this is not an old conversation. Like, we're the same age. Like, this is not, you know what I mean? Like, we're talking about middle-aged, like, 30s to 50s stories. This is not something, like, from the 60s or 70s. That I mean, you know, that's nuts. Let me ask you this, Chef. Yeah. Do you recall the very first time, the very first interaction or conversation you had with a police officer? Uh, No. (laughs) No, I don't. Uh -uh. And I, I remember mine very vividly. It's not something that it's one of those things that most people would ever think about. Right. But if you ask most black folks, the first time you ever had an interaction with a cop, they can all give you an answer. Mm-hmm. Mine, I was 12 years old. We were playing outside of my house uh, and the cop rolls up through our neighborhood and he got in the car. He just starts walking around. And we thought it was going to be a nice. We'd never seen cops before. Right. Not this close guy says to me and i'm not bullshitting you guy says to me so who's your probation officer the very first very first sentence out of his mouth was no way holy crap and so (sighs) when people ask why black folks are so angry you're so much better now racism is over you had a black president no man for you it is Mm -hmm. for you it is because you can go home every night and not have to worry about this stuff. You can pick, put on your shoes and go to work every day and not have to worry about this stuff. Mm-hmm. I have to go to work every day and wonder, am I being a little too black today? Mm, God. I have to dumb down my, pers- down my personality because I don't want to get anybody upset. I don't want anybody to think that I'm the angry black dude. Right. This is the thing you have to think about on a daily basis. Yeah, and that's what we're talking about when we talk about privilege, that I wake up and that's just not a thought I have. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, like it's just nothing I can relate to. And and if we're being honest, um, white people, I mean, we should all say that because that is true. That is not something we deal with. Now, I've seen a lot of people say, well, I have my own problems. Of course, we all have our own set of bullshit we have to deal with, whatever that Amen. is. But this Amen. particular thing that is under a magnifying glass right now and as it should be and has, you know, should have been for years and years and decades, um, you know, it's it's something that. It, it needs to be focused on. And, you know, when you say, like, Black Lives Matter, like, well, what about my life? And you've everybody's seen that fire meme on Facebook, right? The house is on yeah. fire and everyone's like, well, yeah. what about my house? Let's deal with yeah. the house that's on fire right now. Let's deal with the yeah. lives that are in danger right now. And then we'll get to other problems. But this is a problem we need to figure out how to fix. And that's yeah. not a quick fix, obviously. Yeah. There's so yeah. many layers to this, and there's so many opinions. Um, you know, I mean, you said it, like, just calling somebody black or white is like, that's just the tiniest beginning to this, you know, and, and people being afraid of what they're saying wrong uh, or turning away from it entirely. You know, I, I had a, I won't tell their story because it was a private conversation, but in general, I have a friend, uh, she's a white woman and she has black children. She adopted um, some siblings that are the cutest kids I've ever seen. And one of them, (laughs) he's eight years old and he want he's a black boy, a black eight year old who wants to be a police officer. And I cannot imagine how he's processing this right now. Because like if you're splitting, if people are forcing this as a split between police officers and black people, then this kid is like he's sitting on the fence going, I don't know how I feel. And he's processing this at eight, you know, and it's heartbreaking because he told his mom, like, you know, I don't want to I don't want people to fear me as a police officer. And, And I told her, I said, look, that's why he needs to be a police officer.
He needs to show that there are good police officers and that 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 is that is possible. It is possible to be a great human and be a police officer because I believe that it is. And and as a black man, you know, he can stand up and and represent that in that way. And if he sees wrong, then he can also step up and show that there's wrong as well. I mean, he it's so important. And he's only eight. I mean, you know, I, I pray that by the time he gets to be a police officer one day, these problems will be far behind us. Um, one could yeah. only hope. And, you know, one of the things that I also try to preach to folks is is the concept of having police departments, law enforcement. That's not offensive to anyone. Yeah. It's the execution of these departments. It's this idea that these men, these women who are charged with serving and protect. It's so funny to me that people don't get this concept because I hear this all the time. Well, what about all the. What about uh, the black-on-black crime? Well, what about it? Mm-hmm. What what does that have to do with anything? The only time white folks bring up black-on-black crime is when a police officer murders an unarmed black man. Yep. You never hear about it. I had this you never care crime. about it otherwise. You don't care about black people. You don't care about black-on-black crime. Mm-hmm. Because if you did, you'd be out in these streets. As Listen, I don't know about you, but the community I come from in Little Rock and Oakland, we've had conversations about, quote-unquote, black-on-black crime for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Just because you don't pay attention to it doesn't mean it's not happening. Mm-hmm. The difference between having uh, this intraracial crime, homicides, etc., is that the people who are charged with serving and protecting you are not doing that job. And when the people who are being policed don't respect the people who are supposed to be doing that job, mm-hmm. you're going to have anarchy. Mm-hmm. If you don't trust the police officers, you're going to have anarchy. I agree. And, and can I just address this? Uh, when people say, talk about black and black crime, they always forget that, yeah, most crime is interracial. Why is the black and black crime so important to you? Most murders are committed. If, if you're white, odds are you're going to be murdered by a white person. Mm-hmm. And odds are even greater that's going to be somebody you know. Mm-hmm. If you're Asian, same thing. Mm-hmm. Latino, the same thing. Nobody ever talks about that. But if you look up all the crime statistics, they will tell you most crimes are interracial. Mm-hmm. But it's really easy to jump on that. What about the black black on black crime? No, nah, that's such bullshit. Yeah. And that's I have the, seen that nature of crime. Yeah. That's the nature of crime. Well, if you go back to what you were saying earlier, put those two st- statistics together. I've always heard that, that you are, if you're going to be murdered, the odds are it's by someone that you know. That's statistically. Yep. So, but go back to what you said earlier, that people don't have other races in their close friendship group. Mm-hmm. So that would like, yep. those two things would go down the same path, wouldn't they? I mean, yes. I'm not a detective, but it seems like those two things make sense to be married yeah. to one another. I'm yeah. going to ask you a really tough question, Marcus. I had a fr- another friend of mine um, mm. And I won't say their name, but uh, it was a black friend. And they have a quiet argument. They won't talk about this publicly. Uh, They have a quiet argument that the black community has their own big problems that they need to work on. Um, when you're well, talking think, about black on black crime and, and whatnot, like they they get frustrated that they're this is in the news because there's crime issues or drug issues or whatever. And they're like, you know, we, I don't want them pointing outward and blaming others when we need to fix our own stuff. How do you feel about that statement? Yeah, this is a this is also one of those common things. I think that's a fair question to ask. Uh, I don't think it, I don't think it's uh, controversial at all. Mm-hmm. I think it's a fair question to ask. But I also believe that I'll also my response is the same thing to anyone who talks about it. What are you doing about it? Mm-hmm. Because if you're not doing anything about it, and the only time you bring it up is when 
other black folks bring up the murder of unarmed black folks by police, you're part of the problem. Mm, that's interesting. But what are you doing? If you're just bringing it up right now and you're not doing anything else except for, you know, jumping on the other side going, hey, we need to do this. You know what? I'll be honest with you. There are far greater issues in the black community to me than black on black crime. Mm-hmm. I think poverty and education are the most important issues yeah. that need to be in the black community. Black on black, that, those things all change when you have food on the table and you have a decent education. Great points. Great points. So if you're not a person who's on that bandwagon and trying to change those things, then you really don't have a place to talk about anything involving crime mm-hmm. with black folks, whether you're white, black, Latino, et cetera. It's not your place to get involved in that question unless you're actually doing something about it. Yeah. That's what I would ask that person. My response would be, you know what? Good question. It's something we should talk about, something we should look at. And we've been doing it for years. What are you doing about it? You know, we, it's like it's not like we don't have, we can't do multiple things at once. Okay, that's where I was. That's what I was just about to say. Like my my immediate response is like, okay, whatever problems exist in the black community, whether it is education or jobs or crime or whatever they are, they can be identified and worked on. While we can also in the white community work on our hearts and not being racist. Those things can happen at the same time. Amen. Like you Amen. know, those you don't have to pick one. We can work on all of our shit at the same time. That's the way I feel. And, you know, so I I understand that point and I completely I can completely get it Um, now. I mean, I can't get it because obviously I'm not black and I don't live in the black community, but I understand the angle. But I just don't think it's one or the other. Amen. That's that's always what I feel like. Why does it have to be one or the other? And why are you bringing it up now? Yeah. As if this other thing isn't as important or even more important, because if uh, I'll say it again, if you don't trust the people policing you. You're going to have anarchy. And the reason that white folks don't have an issue with the police officers is because they trust them. I do want to touch on the police officer thing really quick. And I okay. um, I listened to a podcast the other day that was just phenomenal. And I'm mm-hmm. totally screwing up on my journalistic integrity right now because I, I should have the podcast name. I think it was called In the Bubble. And um, uh, I'll link to it in the show notes. How about that? I'll, I'll pick back up on my journalistic <laughs> and integrity. Um, but it was so valuable because it was an interview with one of the guys that runs, uh, I think it's the second largest police brutality database in the country. and. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it was, I mean, it this was not opinions and views, like nothing fluffy about this podcast, okay? It was literally, these are the numbers. And he made such a valid argument with his statistics with the police department. He said, look, let me take the police out of it, and I'm going to give you an example. Because people keep saying, there's bad apples in every profession. There's bad people, blah, blah, blah. And I've said that. Right. I think everybody yeah. said that. And he's like, let's look at it from a different angle. Take the police out of it. If you walked into an elementary school... And like 90% of the kids couldn't read. But the teachers were nice. You wouldn't <laughs> you wouldn't say, oh, well, the kids, they don't have to read. No big deal. Don't worry about it. You would say there's obviously a problem with the system in this school. Yeah. You know, it yeah. doesn't mean that the teachers are bad humans. It just means something's wrong here. We need to yeah. dig in and fix it. So just take that same very obvious concept from a school and apply it to the police department and yeah. you can see how that makes sense. It's not, a, you know, it, yes, there are bad cops. Yes, there are bad apples, but he's talking system wide. You know, he's talking about police union contracts and in, you know, policies that need to be changed. Yes. Yes. Amen. Preach that. Yeah. And it's true. I, I, Chris Rock had that. Uh, he had that bit talking about just this bad apples analogy. He's like, listen, there's just some jobs 
you can't have that apple. Exactly. I love this bit. It's so true. Yeah. You can't. What he's talking about? You can't have a, a couple of pilots who could <laughs> crash your plane. Yeah, say, he's like ninety no. percent of the pilots. They like to land. You know, the other ones they like to run into mountains. But it's fine. I'm sure you'll be fine on this flight. Don't worry about it. You know, I mean, it's, it, we can laugh about it because we use humor to deal with hard things like this. But it's the freaking truth. Like, you don't want to get on a plane with a pilot who doesn't do the right thing. You don't want to go under the knife with a doctor who is that's like 95 percent right. good at his job. Like, that's not what you right. want. That's right. We don't expect perfection necessarily no. because that's not, you know, that's not reality. But I mean, we got to have people trying to do the best they can at all times. How many professions do you have people who can be? really negligent, terrible at their job. And who and somebody can lose a life by them not doing their job properly or correctly. And then them going, you know what? All good. Yeah. Be on the street tomorrow. Like, um, that's just not happening. That's the only place that happens. It's the only place. Yeah. It's true. We've got a lot of work to do. And and I tell you this, Marcus, last weekend I went and marched um, in Pacifica. It was a very beautiful, peaceful protest. There were thousands yeah. of people out there. And my God, it did my heart good to see the police officers in my community working hand in hand with the protesters. It was incredibly peaceful. They held traffic while we went across yeah. the highway and the roads. And God, you know, I mean, my idealistic personality just wishes it could always be like that. I know that's not real and that's not possible. But that was it was good to see that here locally. We are lucky that we are in this bubble. And, I, you know, it's, it's our reality, but it's not the reality of the nation. Yeah. We are extremely lucky. And, uh, and hopefully we can spread some of that stuff around the country. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Hopefully it starts here and, and migrates. I, I pray. I do pray. Listen, Marcus, I could literally talk to you for hours. I mean, we've sat and had very, very long dinners before, which we need to do again, by the way. Um, I'm into it. As soon as we can find a restaurant that we can occupy. I'm, I'm, I'm so there. I'm so there. Oh, man. I just, I love you, Marcus. You're such a great human. I'm so glad I can call you a friend. And I, I do uh, miss I've... seeing you at the station. Are, are you, do you have any updates on the comedy circuit? Have you, do you have any information on when you guys are going to be allowed to do anything? Based on what I know, the last communication we received was last Friday, and we're looking at early July. Oh, whoa! Early okay, mid July. That's 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 fingers crossed. But it looks, and it might actually could be even sooner than that, depending on how things go over the next couple of weeks. So oh. who knows? Wow, that's huge. Okay, well, do me a favor. When you find out real information, like for sure, and you've got stuff on the bill that I can promote, let me know because I'll talk about it on the bone and we'll get that stuff going again. That's super exciting. I didn't think it would be that soon. Yeah, it's going. Yeah, it's definitely going to be sooner rather than later. Okay. And I want to get my Instagram if you haven't done it already. It's SMF Marcus on Instagram. Please follow me. Follow Marcus. You will love him. He is hilarious. And I already said, again, in your intro, you're a radio legend here. You work in the entertainment industry. How long have you been working here in the Bay? Ooh, 28 years. You're not that old. Stop it. 28 years? What? 28 years. Oh, my yeah. goodness. That's crazy. Hey, we're closer to retirement maybe than we think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if, if only. <laughs> if only. I know. Oh, my gosh. Well, give my love to your gorgeous family. Uh, tell Tova I said hi. I haven't seen her in too long. But we will talk soon, and I love you so much. And thank you so much for being willing to have this conversation with me today. I am you. loving thank what we did. You. I, I think it's it, – it, for me, it's more important for folks like you to be open and willing to have these conversations. 
And it's okay if the questions are hard. We have to have these hard conversations, and I'm all for it. Ah. I, I hope that we don't have to keep going down this path. But if <laughs> we do, you and I are holding hands and we'll walk down it together. Damn right. All right, baby. I love you. All right. I love you, too. I'll talk later. See you soon. All righty. Bye-bye. So there you go, you guys. Marcus Osborne, is he a gem or what? I love that guy. He's been a friend for so long, and he's just uh, hes a good human. So I hope that you got something out of what we talked about today. Maybe a little nugget here or there uh, hit you in the heart, and I would pray that you would share this. You know, um, I know these are tough conversations, like Marcus said, but they're incredibly important conversations and conversations that I am very proud to have on this podcast and in my real life and on the bone and on Soundwaves TV and everywhere because I am all about spreading light and love and positivity and unification. And as Marcus was talking about, you know, education is key right now. And I've been telling myself every time, you know, my eyes are bleeding from reading uh, all these, you know, stories and history lessons. And I really have. I've gone back to school, you guys, not for a grade this time. I need to know this stuff for real. This is real life important stuff. So anytime you're exhausted by educating yourself and digging in, just remember education is unification. And if we can get together on this, we can start to make real change in the world. All right, you guys, that's it for me today. If you want to hit me up, feel free, chastaonair at gmail.com. That is my email address. Uh, and on Instagram, I am at chastalynn, C-H-A-S-T-A-L-Y-N-N. Twitter is Chasta, and Facebook is Chasta Radio. I hope you're doing well. Take care of yourself and love on one another and rock your life.